Welcome to a new episode of Mediterranean Sustainability Partners. I'm your host, Ellen Wasselina. I'm so pleased to be able to interview my dear friend and guest on this program, Dr. Nushin Atisoglu Guni. Dr. Guni attended the NATO summit in Madrid and is going to give us a debrief uh, of that summit. Here are the segments in this podcast. Segment one, is NATO's Madrid summit a sign of a rise of a new Cold War? Have there been changes in the threat perceptions? And have NATO's strategic missions changed? Has there been strengthened deterrence that seems to be the priority over others, such as collective security or crisis management? In segment two, why is NATO expanding now? Has the Ukrainian war triggered this? And finally, in segment three, Turkey, Sweden, Finland's trilateral deal. Indivisibility of security principles in NATO is functioning now. Here's a short bio of Dr. Guinea. Dr. Guinea is a st- distinguished author, speaker, commentator, and is a professor of international relations at Nisantasi University and is a member of Turkey's Presidential Security and Foreign Policies Council. She's also the president of SEMIS, the Center of Mediterranean Security. I would just like to take this opportunity to thank our listeners in Turkey, which is ranked sixth out of 57 countries tuning into our podcast. Thank you so much. And thank you all for tuning in across the globe in 57 countries and five continents to Mediterranean Sustainability Partners. Welcome to a new episode of Mediterranean Sustainability Partners. I'm so pleased to be joined today by my dear friend, Nushin Guinea. Good morning, Nushin. Good morning, many thanks for having me. Oh, thank you so much for joining me. And I really do appreciate your taking the time. And perhaps you would like to say a few words in, in Turkish to our Turkish listeners who are, by the way, sixth out of 57 countries tuning into this podcast. Would you like to say a few words? Okay, I'll say hello to everyone. Uh, very nice to be uh, at uh, Trocadero Forum uh, to discuss with you uh, these current events. It's a great pleasure. Wonderful. Thank, thank you so much. So as you know, um, my dear Notion, you attended the Madrid NATO Summit, and we have three segments today that we're going to uh, talk about. And I would just like to inform our listeners what we will be discussing in this podcast So segment one is, of course, this one is NATO's Madrid summit. This is a sign of a rise of new Cold War. And is there been a change in threat perceptions? And have NATO's strategic missions changed? Um, And I'd like to just read a few points from the uh, Madrid declaration, if you allow me, uh, that was signed in uh, June 29, 2022. So here's point five. I picked out a few and I hope you you enjoy these points. I quote, we continue to face distinct threats from all strategic directions. The Russian Federation is the most significant. 
and direct threat to allies' security and to peace and stability in the Euro-Atlantic area. Terrorism, in all its forms and manifestations, continues to pose a direct threat to the security of our populations and to international stability and prosperity. We categorically reject and condemn terrorism in the strongest possible terms. With determination, resolve, and in solidarity, allies will continue to counter Russian threats and respond to its hostile actions and to fight terrorism in a manner consistent with international law. Now, I know you attended uh, the summit, uh, Dr. What can you tell us about these different points that we discussed? Would you like to tell us your, your impressions? Okay, thank you. Um, uh, what I have observed is that, uh, you, you know, NATO as an alliance uh, with, the, with this new declaration, uh, especially this strategic new strategic concept, have uh, decided to define uh, the, clearly what the threats uh, ahead of uh, the alliance, uh, not, uh, including today and future. Because as we know, this strategic concept uh, is in, uh, aimed to uh, re- lie down uh, 10 years uh, uh, roadmap uh, for the allies uh, to have a secure uh, and you know uh, some kind of an uh, stability uh, in the alliance and around itself and what has been changed since uh, the late uh, the last uh, summit that was uh, convened in Lisbon uh, yes as we know it is a drastic change was the uh, announcement of the uh, you know uh, priority of the threat uh, that is coming to alliance was Name as the Russian Federation, and yes. uh, in contrast to Lisbon, uh, you know Russia was uh, renamed uh, by then uh, or declared as an, uh, you know, a country that could be cooperate with. So this yes. is the main drastic change. Uh, so this is uh, very important, I guess, and this is due to the ongoing Ukrainian war, of course, uh, yes. that has triggered uh, this uh, threat perception. This is very new, and uh, this is, uh, we can say that it's a kind of uh, threat that has been perceived by NATO as conventional one, and there are the non-conventional ones, like hmm. cyber uh, threat and, you know, uh, others like uh, terrorism that you have mentioned. This was very important, and the allies of Turkey have uh, declared that they are going to counter terrorism uh, uh, as being uh, allies uh, in NATO. So this is very important because uh, Turkey is uh, very much uh, concerned about uh, the uh, multiple uh, terrorist threats that she's facing uh, for the uh, last uh, many years. Uh, So this is also important, as I said. And what is uh, surprising, uh, China was uh, considered to be a challenge uh, in the coming yes, years. Yes, I think that's the first time, right? Yeah, this is also very new. So mm-hmm. uh, this reminds us that uh, the focus of alliances is not only based on Euro-Atlantic uh, area, uh, but it goes beyond up uh, to, uh, you know, in the Pacific. So uh, in yes. the coming 10 years, we would be recognizing how the allies will uh, try to deal with this uh, mindset, you know, the rise of new Cold War that is expanding uh, beyond Euro-Atlantic area up to, you know, uh, Indo-Pacific. So this is going to be very interesting for all, each, every ally, I guess. 
this is a developing uh, thing. Yes. But other than that, as I said, uh, you know, deterrence of alliance has tried to be strengthened because uh, I remember in 2003 when, uh, you know, a Solona uh, declaration was yes. made in the EU, <laughs> the, uh, the EU was considered as a risk-free uh, area or yes. space. So look at the, you know, uh, difference, uh, the drastic uh, change that has been made uh, due to this, again, uh, assertive uh, way of dealing Russia uh, as against Ukraine. Uh, I mean, of course, they were uh, wake up calls starting with 2008 uh, Georgia, uh, yes. where uh, Russians invaded uh, South Ossetia and Abbasia. Then 2014 yes. Crimean annexation yes. was another wake up call. But it was in the 90s mindset of uh, Euro-Atlantic uh, world is that, you know, by institutionally engaging Russia and China, they thought uh, these two countries, even though they are labeled as revisionists, countries, they could be somehow, you know, uh, cooperated uh, and, and uh, you know, somehow merged with the uh, current uh, liberal uh, order, which yes. did not work, of course. So yeah. uh, that is starting with 2014 onwards. I was in Poland at that time, Warsaw Summit of NATO. Huh? That is where uh, the uh, allies have decided that they should, uh, you know, change their policy towards to uh, Russia. And uh, other than engaging with Russia, which is called Russia First Policy, they yes. decided to gradually to constrain Russia's expansion beyond uh, where it is supposed to be at the end of the uh, 1990s, you know. So this is the... Do, do you uh, think, sorry, do, do you think that yeah. was a mistake? Well, uh, according to, um, I mean, uh, how would I say, there are mistakes that have been made both sides. Uh, sure. You know better than I know, because <laughs> in 1993, uh, according to a uh, deal that was reached between, you know, Russia, Great Britain, U.S. and Ukraine, Ukraine has this uh, uh, abandoned, uh, it's uh, nuclear yes. uh, uh, arsenal. The Budapest Agreement. Yeah, Budapest, in return for what? Territorial integrity of Ukraine. I mean, these big countries have... And, and security, right? These countries were supposed yeah, to all yeah. pr protect yeah, so, so, Ukraine. So, I mean, uh, so this is this is where it's beginning, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so whom to blame? You know, so many yeah. uh, mistakes have been made on both sides, I would say. Sure. This doesn't uh, make Russia's assertive uh, way of dealing uh, with Ukraine or Georgia legitimate at all. I mean, th this cannot be accepted. But, you know, uh, uh, as I said, uh, during the 90s, uh, when the Cold War has ended, I guess uh, the Western world, uh, especially U.S. Uh, and uh, to a certain extent, uh, Europeans, I would say, but they thought, uh, you know, they win the Cold War and they were successful. And uh, China by then, economically a very small country and Russia was so weak. So they thought they can handle this. So yes, they have forgotten yes. that uh, these countries were revisionist countries. Even yes. though Russia is not same in the Cold War years, uh, uh, in uh, China is expanding economic ways, so it's a challenging uh, one. Uh, sure. But uh, you know there were uh, evidences coming up that the Cold War was about to happen, the Second Cold War, I would say, the new Cold War. But this is very totally, this is very different from the one we are, are used to it. This is how, enough, how is it, how uh, is it different? How is it different? It's not ideologically based one. 
That's right. That's right. This is very important. There is no two words that we can define white or black, like, you know, communism versus, uh, you know, capitalism, uh, you know, West versus East that was, was once based. Absolutely this right. Is more, this is more nationalistic countries that we are dealing with, yes. like Russia and China. So, yes. and uh, what is interesting, it is a, a mo- movement of, uh, you know, uh, whether this liberal uh, world or could uh, continue or not, uh, you know. But the difference between Russia and China is that China has the ability to, you know, uh, somehow replace this existing Western liberal order, but it doesn't want to because it's benefiting from the institutions that of, is there. Of course. Economic-wise. Of course. Okay. So course. it's expanding gradually its zone of influence, not only within its neighborhood, but even Africa and other places. Yes, Russia, of course. Russia, on the other hand, uh, though it's a revisionist <laughs> one, it's not the same the one that we have seen in the Cold War. It's kind of uh, economic-wise, uh, military-wise uh, weaker, but it's the disruptive power, you know. It's, Indeed. Uh, it's uh, attempting to use violence uh, to make disrupting uh, this uh, present, uh, you know, uh, European uh, security order. Uh, and uh, the way it's been encouraged is, again, due to the mistakes that has been made by the West in the yes. past. For instance, yes. the American policy starting with Obama, leading behind yes. you know, yes. the power vacuum that has been left here and there. That is how the Russians came back to uh, Syria, to the Middle East, through backdoor of uh, Assad's invitation. And yes. this is where uh, we have seen uh, U.S. doesn't have a clear policy by then, you know. And how about, how about their Assad, pivot, sorry, how about their yeah, pivot yeah, to Asia? Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, that's the thing. And also the declaration of pivot to Asia has uh, been uh, brought a great concern among not only its allies, but also among its partners, whether be it in GCC countries, whether in Asia, and even uh, we didn't mention the Trump era, (laughs) you know, (laughs) which has hurt so much. So the trust between, uh, you know, both sides of the Atlantic. So these things have all uh, has uh, helped uh, you know, uh, things to be disrupted so much so that, you know, Russia has thought that, you know, in case of uh, Georgia, in case of uh, annexation of uh, Ukraine, or even in two, 20, 2015, when Russians came to Syria, and they yes. uh, when the Assad regime, they're supportive of Assad by then, use of nuclear weapon, even though Russians said, uh, US said that it was their red lines, they didn't do anything. It didn't so do anything. He yeah. has given a courage to Putin that West would be inactive whenever he attempts to yeah. do something bad, you know. So all That's these true. things have triggered uh, the rise of uh, new Cold War. After these uh, wake up calls, finally, uh, unfortunately, mm-hmm. I would say uh, 24th of February, when uh, Russians have, uh, you know, uh, invaded, start to invade Ukraine, uh, you know, uh, Americans and the West have. Uh, found themselves to do something because it was in the middle of, you know, center of uh, European uh, uh, landscape. It's not far away from, you know, uh, where uh, Europe or Euro-Atlantic uh, space is located. Um, unfortunately, this is where we are. And uh, as I said, uh, due to the rise of this new Cold War, I would say that this document strategic concept is the real evidence of it because it's Clearly so so let me let me if I may yeah. 
my dear. Yeah. Let me, if I may, just read point seven so we can wrap okay. up this segment where you've touched just on what I wanted you to touch on. We have endorsed, and I'm quoting, a new strategic concept. It describes mm -hmm. a security environment, which you well described, facing the alliance, mm -hmm. reaffirms our values, and this was a big subject, I think, at, yeah. the, at the summit, and spells out NATO's key purpose and greatest responsibility of ensuring our collective defense based on a 360 yeah. degree approach. It further okay. sets out NATO's three core tasks of deterrence and defense, crisis prevention and management, and cooperative security. In the years to come, it will guide our work in the spirit of our transatlantic solidarity. So you've just now helped us come into this point because as you said, this this NATO is it expanding now to Asia with this 360 degree approach? Would you say? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, what I'm saying is that uh, when you look at the previous, uh, you know, strategic concept and the difference that we are arriving to see is that collective defense was the main, uh, you know, yes. uh, thing uh, that is based. NATO was based on Article Five, you know. Yes. Uh, well, you know, this was uh, the main thing that has never changed. But as I said, uh, the mood that was uh, uh, during the 90s, uh, you know, the alliance can cooperate with uh, Russia, and they have seen Russia uh, as kind of a weak uh, uh, actor. Uh, that is why uh, Article 5 was seemed to be uh, left to the back seat, you know. Uh -huh. even though it was the main uh, thing of alliance that was based so and instead it was the uh, cooperative security as well as crisis management uh, operations and missions were put in front of uh, that was uh, you know article 5 uh, mission operationally while yes. i'm telling but now we are seeing that uh, due to the uh, ukrainian war effect uh, collective defense once again uh, mentioned and underlined and written in bold, I would say, uh, in this uh, strategic con uh, concept that has been issued, as along with other missions, you know, they are also going to be there, but collective defense, namely Article 5, uh, mission uh, of uh, alliance is going to be strengthened so much so that uh, and also it is aimed to be extended to Indo-Pacific as much as is possible. That's, uh, that's, I don't know how it's going to be dealt with. That is an open-ended, uh, you know, uh, mission, I would say. Uh, the allies would get together and try to, you know, make it real. Maybe they may not make it uh, operational as much as as they hope to i'm not sure about that because uh, we are 30 allies in the uh, Atlantic, you know north atlantic alliance and there's gonna be 32 and each country where they are situated on the map has different interests and security perceptions so it is going to be a quite challenging for the alliance to meet uh, these uh, you know expansionist objectives that i have i thought so so that's a perfect way to end the segment because in segment two, we're going to talk about why is NATO expanding and why now? Thank you mm -hmm. so much, Yonushin. We'll move on to segment two now. Thank you. Excellent.
And we're back in segment two with Dr. Professor Nershin Yunig. Nershin, welcome back. Okay, thank you. <laughs> it's so good of you to join us again in the second segment. Now, as we have agreed, we're going to talk about why NATO is expanding in this second segment and has the Ukrainian war triggered it? Now, I'd like to, if you allow me, to read point 15 from the Madrid okay. Summit Declaration, all right? So, taking into account, and I'm quoting, our unprecedented level of cooperation with the European Union, we will continue to further strengthen our strategic partnership in a spirit of full mutual openness, transparency, complementarity, and respect for the organization's different mandates, decision-making autonomy, and institutional integrity, and as agreed by the two organizations. Our common resolve in responding to Russia's war against Ukraine highlights the strength of this unique and essential partnership. The participation of our partners from the Asia-Pacific region, alongside other partners, demonstrated the value of our cooperation in tackling shared security challenges. So, is this now uh, a new uh, re reworking of partnerships uh, given this war as we were just talking about in the first segment? Please give mm -hmm. us your, your, your opinions and okay. your um, understanding. It's, yeah, it's quite uh, clear enough, I guess. You know, uh, this war, namely Ukrainian war, has uh, triggered to strengthen the Euro-Atlantic alliance. You know, uh, the two sides of the Atlantic was uh, quite in bad shape, especially during the Trump era, yes, uh, due yes. to the uh, President Trump's uh, saying and thoughts about both EU as well as, yes. uh, you know, uh, NATO. Uh, this also led uh, President Macron saying that uh, we have seen uh, NATO's brain uh, dead. So from there to here, it is the Ukraine war that has uh, strengthened uh, the bonds uh, between the two sides because as I said uh, US was very much uh, uh, preoccupied with uh, with its uh, pivot to Asia project uh, so uh, that's why uh, European Union was working on this uh, strategic cons uh, compass uh, project uh, to go strategically autonomous uh, so that uh, they could uh, you know somehow uh, assure their uh, security in the uh, European threat uh, without uh, being, uh, you know, dependent on the uh, U.S. Uh, it was due to the perception of Trump that has uh, put forward. But things have changed, uh, especially uh, the president has been changed in U.S. And also the priorities has been changed due to this ongoing war. And uh, so uh, U.S. has thought to uh, give a kind of an attention uh, to the Russian uh, invasion and you know, assaults as against uh, Ukraine. And that is how uh, the two sides, namely the EU countries that are there in NATO, as well as uh, Washington has decided to cooperate uh, in facing uh, today's and tomorrow's security threats. In the case of uh, Euro-Atlantic uh, zone, it is the Ukrainian war that the two sides are cooperating on. But other than that, as uh, you have uh, read in the first part, uh, there was a, a sentence which was uh, mentioning about the values between the two yes, sides. Yes, I wanted to talk about other, that. Yeah. Other than uh, common threats, there is the uh, common values that, uh, you know, uh, NATO organization that is based on, you know, uh, 
so this common values uh, is very important, which is based on the current international uh, liberal order or system that we are uh, both, all of us are benefiting uh, or living in, in, in it. Uh, so uh, that is why uh, in this uh, strategic concept, I guess, uh, with this expansion, this new wave of expansion with uh, Sweden and Finland, uh, you know, uh, becoming a member, uh, their bit of becoming a member of uh, alliance is one important thing uh, for the future of uh, NATO alliance uh, is one thing. And also uh, it is uh, its area of operation that has been expanding uh, from Euro-Atlantic to uh, Pacific is another thing. So these are all combined on the two things. First, common perceived threats as well yes. as uh, also the common values uh, that is being yes. based on, you know, holding on to common values uh, between, uh, you know, EU uh, countries or European as a whole, let's say, and NATO members uh, and uh, Washington uh, that they try to somehow uh, prevent uh, collapse of uh, this uh, current uh, international uh, order uh, that we are uh, witnessing because uh, according to uh, some um, scholars, uh, this international order is already crumbling, but yet it's not collapsed. That is what they are saying. <laughs> so uh, since there is a, uh, you know, this kind of uh, uh, evaluation uh, or reading of international uh, order, uh, that is why I guess uh, in this uh, strategic concept by underlining and giving importance or priority to, to these common values between the two sides of the Atlantic, uh, they uh, depict the uh, threats and risks uh, that might uh, hurt uh, this, uh, you know, uh, present international order. And that is why they have brought up these missions and the capabilities they try to develop in future uh, yes. to uh, somehow uh, prevent uh, this uh, present uh, international liberal uh, present international order uh, to get hurt more or collapse even so. Yeah, but can, can it last? You know, there was a question from a young woman mm -hmm. who was at Madrid and I was watching yes. the replay. I think there was a public forum on the second day, I believe. And mm -hmm. one woman said, is the U.S. still credible when it, you know, knocks down this Roe v. Wade uh, in the United States? Is it credible to defending, you know, values across other geographies? Is it still a credible actor? What, what do you think about that? Well, it's it's difficult and challenging uh, mission, I guess so, because, uh, you know, um, when we come to the values that we are mentioning, like uh, based on, uh, you know, international law and, uh, you know, uh, these normative uh, nor, nor rules of uh, EU that is based on so, I mean, uh, it is not that easy to uh, make uh, and expand these views uh, beyond uh, the borders of Euro-Atlantic uh, world, I would say, because yeah. as you know, EU by itself tried this uh, towards the crossing the Mediterranean uh, to MENA region, and it yes. has not worked there. You know, we in, know in, many, in the Sarkozy era, right? Yeah, we know to get many this... projects. You know, it yes. has started with. Uh, you know, uh, in 1994, I guess, uh, with Barcelona uh, process and uh, yes. that, uh, and then it has follow up with Sarkozy's initiative. And yes. even Macron has tried to bring up a new pace or, you know, new beginning, but it has not worked. You know, mm. these common values 
uh, that is being shared between the two sides of the Atlantic is not that easy to replicate, uh, I would say, in other parts of the world. Because, That's true. Yeah, because being a realistic, uh, you know, <laughs> when you like look at the Russia, I mean, it's not the same uh, that we used to see in the Cold War days. There's not communism, but there is the nationalism that is much so much so important. And China is a different world. So, yes. I mean, uh, 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 it's good to say and, you know, uh, hope to, uh, you know, project these ideas in a worldwide set. But when we come in a realistic worldwide sense uh, to the differences uh, in locations uh, in, in the Pacific, it's different. In Africa, it's different. That's in true. the Middle East, it's totally different. Yeah. So, I mean, um, other than uh, projecting these values, maybe it is best to uh, stay in a cooperative, uh, you know, uh, security mindset you know even with your uh, enemy or i would say rival or competitive uh, uh, you know actor uh, you can find base you know issue based cooperation uh, to make them uh, you know somehow uh, dependent on one uh, one another and try to you know somehow uh, prevent uh, this uh, kind of uh, new cold world mindset arising and uh, you know becoming uh, occupying uh, the whole uh, sense uh, areas you know so uh, I, I mean may, if I may if I may yeah. Mirshan, I would like to bring up a point I found this yesterday uh, from the uh, economist intelligence unit that said, Arabs believe the economy is weak under democracy. And according to this democracy index, the Middle East and North Africa is lowest ranked. Israel mm -hmm. is a, I quote, flawed democracy. Tunisia and Morocco are hybrid regimes and the rest <laughs> is authoritarian. And interestingly enough, this is from the BBC World and the Arab yeah. Barometer, people are more interested in effective government than the form it takes. Iraq, 79%, Tunisia, 77%, Libya, 77%, Jordan, 76%, and it goes on down the line. So uh, to your point, uh, exactly, some people want results for their economy. And I must say, you know, NATO, for example, represents 1 billion people and 50%, if I'm not mistaken, of the GDP. But mm -hmm. what about the rest? You know, mm -hmm. and can it all fit into this big umbrella, Nespa? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And what is interesting, as you know, uh, during the uh, UN uh, uh, gathering, uh, there were uh, countries both from Africa as well as uh, Latin America, even from uh, Asia, uh, that did okay. not go along with U.S. Uh, stand in, you know, condemning Russia. So mind this uh, point. Uh, That's a very our, good point. Yeah. Remember it's when they important. asked in the Security mm -hmm. Council and in the UN to vote against or for sanctions and how yes. many countries did not. Yeah, so this is important. This is the main difference between, as we mentioned in our first part of our uh, yes. this, uh, podcast, you know, uh, once there is not this ideological, uh, you know, opposition uh, yeah. in this uh, new uh, rising of this new Cold War, it is not helping for, you know, uh, US or I would say uh, this uh, NATO stand to bring uh, others uh, to uh, into a same line with, you know, sharing the common values. It's impossible because these countries, uh, without that ideological attachment, they do care exactly. more about their welfare and, you know, economy. That's yes. it. That's very simple. That, that's it. And 
Corruption, yeah. you know, there were four elements. Corruption didn't even enter into many of them. 60% of them, you know, were more interested in the economy and they weren't so much interested in the type of leadership or corruption yes. or any or yes. the environment, believe it or not. Let, let's um, let's move on because I, I have just one more quote that I'd like to get okay. your reaction to on point 16, which leads us to uh, mm -hmm. towards the end of this segment already. It goes so quickly when we get together. Uh, <laughs> and I'm quoting, we will further enhance our partnerships so that they continue to meet the interests of both allies and partners. We will discuss common approaches to global security challenges where NATO's interests are effective, share perspectives through deeper political engagement, and seek concrete areas for cooperation to address shared security concerns. We will move ahead with strengthening our engagement with existing and potential new interlocutors beyond the Euro-Atlantic area. So this goes to what you were saying in, in your yeah. first point. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, uh, again, uh, NATO with this uh, declaration tries to attach uh, importance to the value of partnerships other right. than allies, you know, because as you remember, uh, it was again, again uh, during the Kosovo operations that was launched by uh, NATO back then. And it was the toolbox that Bush has used, you know. Yes. Uh, so it was not all the allies had uh, attended uh, to that Kosovo uh, operation by right. that. And so it was, uh, you know, uh, selectively chosen those who are ready and willing to go along with US. And that is why it was called toolbox in NATO. In this <laughs> case, again, partnership uh, is also very important because as I said, uh, probably soon NATO would be 32 countries and not everybody want to be a part of crisis managed operations here and there or, you know, beyond, uh, let's say, uh, Euro Atlantic area. So there's going to be the toolbox again, probably those <laughs> who are willing to go. And plus, uh, again, you may, uh, you uh, probably NATO would need partners uh, to go along with uh, NATO allies. That is very crucial. This uh, is what at, they say, yes. Yeah, and then beyond. Yeah, look at EU's objective starting with 90s to bring up a European army, which is not standing there yet. So no. uh, that is what Luck I'm luckily saying. Luckily, they have NATO. Yeah, so that's the, that's the reality on the ground. So they may need partners uh, to go along with them uh, for projecting uh, these uh, crisis management operations. And that is why they have put forward previously like Istanbul Initiative, which brings the Middle Eastern countries into it yes. and others, you know. So uh, uh, it could be from Africa, it could be from Middle East or uh, elsewhere that uh, partners are needed uh, to uh, cooperate uh, in this, uh, you know, in future uh, crisis management operations, because UN is hopeless in this case. So yeah. it is for NATO, uh, for its allies' security when there is a need. Uh, that is why partners are more probably valuable than the allies, because allies are in the uh, NATO and it's guaranteed in a way. But uh, let, we should not forget about the toolbacks. Yeah, <laughs> and, you know, yeah, let, who, who has which capability is one thing, you know. That let, brings let's, me Turkey's situation, actually. It's the second largest army in NATO. You know what I mean? Yes, yes, of course. I, okay. I, if I just want to pick up on something, we need to close this off because then we're going to talk okay. about the Turkish-Sweden-Finland okay. trilateral deal. It's coming up, but I did want to get your, your impressions on 
this, this multilateralism, these international organizations, as you rightly say, we've seen that the UN is completely helpless, almost, yes, or hopeless. In, 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 well, you know, if I go back to and looking at how many you know, um, resolutions were passed in the, uh, in the, in the Security Council to, to deal even with Georgia and even with yeah. Ukraine in 2014. I don't remember, I don't have the number in front of me, but I counted and it was a lot of resolutions, but nothing stopped Russia from invading and taking over Crimea. The same goes for Middle East. I mean, the UN resolutions in regard to Palestine and Israel, uh, you know, uh, conflict and so on Syria. and so forth. I mean, uh, first of all, uh, there is the uh, Security Council, uh, you know, the way it has been established at the end of yes. the World War II does not represent today's world's realities. You know, true. it has to be more representative. Uh, I but, agree. Uh, the five uh, does not <laughs> want to lose their hegemony. No, of course in not. This uh gathering but uh, it is not uh, helping because of this veto power of this uh, each of five exactly. you know during yeah. the cold war years we have seen you know it was either russia china or uh, us one uh, against yeah. another and it, they have blocked uh, security council and article 7 uh, to be become uh, operational and the same thing goes on today never nothing has changed but, uh, you know, uh, UN has to be reformed uh, and there were calls for it, especially from our president, as you know. Yes. Uh, but it's not becoming uh, a reality yet. Unfortunately. All right. Well, well, we'll stop there before we go on to the okay. third segment where we'll finish up with the Turkish-Sweden-Finland trilateral deal. And okay. uh, thank, thank you so much again for this okay. second segment. Thank you so much. Welcome back to the third segment of uh, Mediterranean again. Sustainability Partners with my dear friend Nershin Guni. Nershin, welcome back. Okay, thank you. The pleasure again. <laughs> All right, so now we have this final segment, which I think is very important, about this Turkish-Swedish-Finnish trilateral deal. Mm -hmm. uh, indivisibility of security principle and NATO is functioning now, as you rightly say. And I'd like to read point 18 from the Madrid mm -hmm. Declaration, if you'll okay. allow me. And I'm quoting. Please do. Well, we reaffirm our commitment to NATO's open door policy. Today, we have decided to invite Finland and Sweden to become members of NATO and agreed to sign the accession protocols. In any accession to the Alliance, it is of vital importance that the legitimate security concerns of all allies are properly addressed. We welcome the conclusion of the trilateral mem memorandum between Turkey Finland and Sweden to that effect. The accession of Finland and Sweden will make them safer, NATO stronger, and the Euro-Atlantic area more secure. The security of Finland and Sweden is of direct importance to the Alliance, including during the accession process. So um, here we have it. Uh, they were able to come to some agreement. Can you tell us about that? I know you, you probably know more than most people about this <laughs> what, what were what were Turkey's security concerns? And, and okay, they... um, first of all, let's begin making things straight uh, because you know uh, this has become quite uh, politicized uh, during yes. the 
you know, it has this debate has started uh, mid or towards end of May, and okay. it ended just a day before uh, NATO summit uh, in mm-hmm. Madrid. Uh, so in between those time interval, we have seen that ha- ha- everyone has said something. You know, <laughs> ideas were flying up, right or wrong. <laughs> so uh, I'll start with uh, making statements right to correct uh, these. You know, uh, false. Uh, evaluations, I would say, so people might know what is right, what is wrong. Excellent. First of all, Turkey was not against uh, NATO's, uh, uh, you know, expansion. You know, which I mean, she was always uh, supported open doors policy. So that's the thing, you know, she was always supporting uh, NATO's open door policy uh, because she thinks this will strengthen NATO more. Okay, so that's one thing. Uh, but uh, she had some concerns about uh, Sweden and Finland. Uh, you know, they're given support to uh, PKK, which is uh, recognized by these countries also as terrorist organizations, okay. and also PYD, which is an offshoot of PKK, situated in Syria. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's one thing. And uh, it is the FETO uh, 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 terrorist organization which was uh, behind this failed uh, coup that was uh, realized in 2016, as you know. Yes. Um, so um, she has given all these evidences that she had concerns both to Finland and uh, Swedish authorities, as well as probably uh, to NATO uh, Secretary General. And uh, sh- uh, she was going through from one mindset, you know, Uh, is that you know as you have also already mentioned indivisibility of security he said she said you know if these two countries are going to be member of nato this organization they should uh, respect to the invisibility of uh, security you know First. once uh, security uh, guarantees namely in the case of uh, finland and sweden's going into nato uh, due to uh, somehow prevent uh, security threats coming from uh, uh, russia to them should yes. not be going against Turkey's security concerns. Okay, so yes. this is the, uh, you know, mindset of this uh, organization and it should be kept so. And yes. uh, we know that, you know, uh, in these countries, uh, given supports to these terrorist organizations were there, either for recruitment, these countries were used, or uh, we know that just like before, a week ago, there were uh, some uh, pictures displayed in one of these countries Uh, uh, city, uh, uh, you know, uh, the pictures of uh, PKK organizations, uh, heads of PKK organizations and so on. So all these things and, uh, you know, their support uh, to these organizations uh, in the name of, uh, you know, freedom of speech or, you know, their according to their constitution, you know, they had their own explanations, but Turkey had evidences and she said that Uh, this was against my security and well-being. These are terrorist organizations. And she demanded that, you know, they should stop uh, giving uh, support these organizations, one. And also uh, then there were the exaggerations, uh, you know, uh, demands of some names uh, that was uh, requested from these countries. That was the second demand. And thirdly, uh, they said if we are in the same, if we are going to be in the same or, uh, organization under NATO roof, uh, you know, one ally should not uh, uh, impose embargo to another. 
so uh, this was the uh, third request of hers, which was which sounds very legitimate once it was supported with the evidences that were sure. given. And uh, again, uh, the, all these issues were negotiated between the sides. Uh, you know, uh, the last time that get, they get together, it was just a day before uh, the summit uh, among the quadruple uh, negotiations, and I'm so sure that. Uh, uh, NATO Secretary General uh, Stoltenberg has put a great uh, effort in this, uh, so oh, I really congratulated him also. Oh, good. Uh, and so, yeah. And finally, uh, despite to uh, critics, uh, a deal has come out. You know, this was what great. I was saying uh, in one of these uh, foreign uh, uh, TV channels that I have given an interview, you know, this is what NATO is about, you know, Absolutely. you might have problems among the allies, it's so natural, but of course. Uh, the dialogue and diplomacy is Absolutely. one thing that is the tool uh, that is going to give uh, a help uh, to each of us. Uh, so that is how uh, a deal among uh, the sides have come through and uh, with this uh, proclamation of uh, trilateral uh, document, uh, memorandum, uh, we have seen that for the first time uh, these uh, terrorist organizations were put in this document, which is FETO, uh, uh, terrorist organization, PKK and PYG. So this is very important for Turkey. And so many people have left, uh, lost their lives uh, during the PKK, uh, you know, uh, assaults and so on back in the future and uh, still it was going on. Anyway, so this is where we have uh, come to a solution at the end of these negotiations. And I'm so sure it has lead everyone <laughs> and mm -hmm. it was thought to be a success uh, for the alliance as a whole. Uh, and I have read the uh, headlines of uh, foreign uh, newspapers or TV channels, headlines that it was a great success for Turkey. She has gained what she wanted. I mean, it's not a, a zero sum game. This is not what I'm looking at. You know, I'm not uh, the. Uh, it's a win win. Right? Yes, this is what I'm saying. Uh, security for all, or for exactly. all NATO countries. Indivisibility. This is, this is an achievement uh, that I yes. would say. So, uh, I, but. Uh, I know that during the Cold War years, uh, again, it was Turkey was very much persistent about this terrorism, the threat that she has perceived. She could not get any response back. So that is why it was considered probably that for the first time these names were written on this trilateral memorandum. And that is why they are saying, I'm so sure that she has gained, Turkey has gained what she wanted. But this has to be like this way anyway, from the very of beginning. Course. But I'm glad that it has been, uh, you know, sold, and uh, you know, we should. The allies should not uh, say that this is my terrorist and your, this is not your terrorist. There is no <laughs> definition, differentiation being among terrorism as a whole. You know, so as it has been stated in the document, uh, you know, NATO has to be very much concerned about this uh, terrorism uh, issue, which has been uh, written uh, in the document. I'm so glad that. So. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I have to ask you, Turkey as the, the second biggest army in NATO with this war going on in Ukraine, I wanted to get your opinion on would Turkey be open, for example, to Ukraine and Moldova uh, or Georgia mm -hmm. coming into NATO? But this is this open door policy. Is there, uh, you know, and, and mm -hmm. Turkey as the biggest security provider of NATO in the Black Sea, 
Uh, do yeah. you see any issues? Do you think this is coming uh, or do they have to, usually they go to NATO first and then to the EU. We're already talking about, you know, Ukraine coming into mm-hmm. the EU. Then Moldova wants to come into the EU. Georgia says, why not me? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I know. Your... There's a competition going on. <laughs> I know. S- sitting sitting yeah. as you do in Istanbul and, and, and with the views <laughs> to the Black Sea. Could you give me a little yeah. bit of insight there, please? I mean, as I said, Turkey is not against the open door policy of NATO. But uh, if I, if you ask me, it is not up to uh, it's not up to Turkey's decision at this moment. It's a geopolitical uh, situation that counts. So, as far as I see, um, the NATO is not ready to give any uh, bit membership bit for these countries, whether Ukraine or Georgia. Even uh, you know, there are others uh, on the line, like Bosnia. As far as I know, that's true. Uh, yes, in the Balkans. Yeah. So I mean, uh, this is because of this uh, great por- great power uh, rivalry that is taking place at this moment. You know, in yes. uh, the European uh, sphere, it is. The Ukrainian war that is triggering and it's the cold war that the, the new cold war that we are going through and uh, also I mean uh, uh, that is why since uh, it seems from here that NATO is not ready to invite uh, either Georgia or Ukraine not to provoke more Russians uh, you know uh, so that uh, so as to avoid this uh, provocation and somehow assure Ukrainians uh, their heels at least you know uh, they have lost so many people in this war yes. that's yes. why they have uh, made uh, Ukraine a candidate for EU membership you know it's kind of a compensation just to you know it's not the re- same thing but it's a kind of healing uh, the yes. wounds and hurts of the Ukrainian people but NATO is something different you know uh, other than a European Union in the case of Russians if you go and ask compare NATO and EU they will go for EU you know what I mean <laughs> so NATO even though it's a defensive organization but it has the military might so it can provoke uh, you know this Cold War, um, but perception. I would say I would say it's very important to guarantee our security, our prosperity. Of without course. it, we cannot have peace. We cannot yes. have economic uh, prosperity. And we were living up until this time uh, in a relative peace until yes. you know. And and it's it's a shame that the uh, the seizure of Crimea in 2014 was pushed under the rug for so long. Yes, uh, and yes. that we didn't see something else coming, as you and I both did. You know, we wrote in that book that you published mm-hmm. recently uh, uh, about Russia's strategic yes. uh, challenges, right? Uh, and then I wrote in 2014 about Ukraine premise of Cold War because I heard Medvedev uh, say we may be going into a second Cold War, and I believe this was. Uh, probably just before the uh, seizure of Crimea at, at the Munich Security Conference. Mm-hmm. Um, if I may, we need to, of course, wrap this up. Unfortunately, we have so much to say. Um, could you give me just maybe some major takeaways for you that were present, my dear, in, in Madrid? What was your feeling? Uh, you met people, you heard people, you know, of course, I tried to watch a little bit on the streaming mm-hmm. and the videos, but what was the feeling that you took away coming away from this summit, if you wouldn't mind giving some personal uh, impressions? Well, uh, when you look at the Europeans, I mean, uh, during that conference, I've seen that there were different views. 
but it's no, but very natural, you know, yeah. about what's going on. Uh, this Ukrainian war, of course, everyone was against it. It's not sure. a legitimate thing uh, to assault against an independent yeah. country. But in the Russian case, they don't see Ukraine as an independent country. No. <laughs> so that, no. that's the thing, unfortunately. Mm. But in international law-wise, it is there. I mean, yeah, uh, of course. no excuse to say it. Even in the Budapest memorandum, it was yes, smart. Yes, we don't you know? need to go that back way. Uh, yeah. But uh, as far as I've seen, uh, I've seen that uh, among the uh, Europeans in the uh, NATO, those who are situated in the uh, East, those who are situated in the uh, you know South, has different uh, threat perception. So that makes that is going to make uh, difficult for to, uh, for you know 32 countries to act together as long as there's an imminent threat they would be binding one another but if not you know uh, no. you know that the, the situation would be much more difficult that's that's the thing i got so but hmm. uh, this is very normal this used to be the same in the cold war years as well you know mm -hmm. uh, but uh, the thing is that what is promising for me that you know turkey's situation is very different she's situated in such a place that it has uh, you know uh, connection to the east as well as to the south so yes. uh, also she's trying to pursue a policy of balancing strategy you know that is also one thing she's the only one nato country that is trying to uh, bring up this dialogue with Russia so that things right. will not go uh, yeah. much worse. You know what yes. I mean? Whether yes. it works or not. But uh, as I said, uh, you know, uh, since there is that imminent threat before the NATO allies, whether soft security or hard security, I'm so sure they will uh, go along together. But uh, we don't know uh, how things will evolve in the future. Uh, but uh, what I have seen that, you know, the countries in the South has different concerns in terms of threat perceptions other than the uh, East, which is normal uh, because, you know, the geography, go, yeah, geography and closest to Russia. Well, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, but in the south, it's also important because MENA region has a lot of, uh, you know, uh, problems to be dealt with. Uh, that doesn't have to be uh, hard security issues. You know, there are soft security issues. Of course. But I'm so sure that, you know, with these countries in the south, I'm straightening uh, Turkey there too, uh, uh, you know, uh, there could be more cooperation. That's what I felt uh, from this uh, meeting, you know. That's more uh, dialogue and concern among the uh, southern countries that they should be doing more uh, to make uh, you know uh, insecurity to evaporate and that is how the Italian uh, prime minister has given a visit to Turkey and we have good relations with Spain hope this will bring benefit to the whole let's say uh, to the uh, NATO that's good yeah. I'm glad you're, you're so optimistic as, as am I, but I'm a realist, as you know. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> I, 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 I thank you so much again, dear Nursen, for your time today. It was an enlightening conversation. Thank you so much. I thank to you for having me to this conversation. It was great. Thank you very much with you. Thank you so much. Yes, of course. Thank you. <laughs>